Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome aboard. Tonight, I'm happy to have August. And uh, do you say your last name is, how, how do you say your last name, August? It depends on what country you're in. If you're in the United States, you say Conte. Conte. What, yeah. what other country would I say it? How would I say it? Well, if you were in Italy, you'd say Conte. Conte. I like yeah. that. So it sounds more musical. You know, Italian is the most musical language. Why is all the opera written in, in Italian? I know, and that that's excellent. Cunt. I like that. That's that's the way to go. August. Uh, uh, so you you have a product called FireCAD. Yes, and we do. I, I I interviewed a, a former student of mine who who uh, opened his own business, and and his he was. I had him on the podcast, and I said, you you know, so tell me how you do it because the the specifically the podcast was for him to tell people you you've always wanted to open up your business this kid's gone out and done it and in the middle of the podcast he says oh, when i just i use firecat and and all the devices are there and and i i pull them over and i just stopped and i said what <laughs> what is this product and he goes he goes it's this product that you, you i you know so he describes it and i just went oh my god i i have to i have to learn more about this product so please tell me tell me how it works and and and, and tell me about your background Okay, which first? Uh, well, tell me about your background. How'd you get into this? Okay, so I uh, am a <clears throat> veteran of the fire alarm industry. And why the fire alarm industry? It was an accident, a happy accident that occurred when I was looking for a job and went to an employment agency mm -hmm. many years ago. I'm not going to tell you how many. Uh, but it, it can only be a few. You're... you're... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the guy that was trying to hire somebody to fill the position said, do you know anything about electronics? And I said, yeah, sure I do. And he said, well, but your resume said you've been a school teacher and a car salesman. And I said, okay, so are you already telling me what I'm not qualified for? I'm applying for a job for as a salesman, so let me just tell you something. I can sell the things that you're asking for a salesperson for. And uh, by the way, you get paid on a commission? He said, yeah. I said, so if you get me a job, you get a commission. But if you tell me how you can't get me a job, you don't get a commission, right? He said, okay, I give up. So I got win. <laughs> so I got a job selling fire alarm systems for a large company that can, was can out you of say Massachusetts. But yeah, it was called Standard Electric Time Company, oh, which yeah. has been merged and acquired and everything hmm. over the years. But at any rate, um, the reason that I was able to qualify for the uh, position was because I had been a ham radio operator. So the fact that I was a school teacher and a, and a uh, 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 car salesman didn't have any relevance. I didn't mention the donut shop. But the uh, position required a technical knowledge. And I think this is the fundamental thing that has been really important in my career. 
and is really important in the careers of anybody who's in the technology world. Um, you know, it used to be that when you were in the technology world, you had to replace relays, you had to know how to solder and so forth. And some of the old timers will be can be heard saying, well, the kids today, they don't have to do all that. All they have to do is plug in a card and be a part swapper. That's not really true because in the world of technology that we're in, being an analytical person and being able to understand how things work is really important. No matter the technology that you started with, if it was relays or coils or whatever, it doesn't matter. Because especially in the systems business, which is what we're talking about here, mm -hmm. uh, one thing is connected to the other thing. And a great understanding, a solid understanding at least, of what causes the connection between one part and the other part function uh, is really essential. That's, so that's beautifully put, by the way, and and I and I teach also, and that is that is one of the and I'm also a ham. I'm K7ESM is my column and extra. Oh. Do you still hold a ham license? No, I was a long time ago. I was W3DDR, Ding Dong oh, Radio. Wow. <laughs> W3DDR. W3DDR. Yeah, that's a beautiful call. Um, yeah. I so I, I I still hold an amateur extra, and I. Uh, I teach that, and I teach that that same basic concept that you just that you just struck on. It's it's you're 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 right up my alley. That's awesome. Right. Well, thank you very much for that. I call. I recall the first radio I built. I bought a an old box of parts from a guy for three dollars, <laughs> and I needed a coil, and I wound the coil on a toilet paper tube. Did you really? <laughs> it was a forty meter CW rig. Nice. And. Uh, I had a bedroom. I had my ham radio bench set up in my bedroom, which I shared with my brother. And one night my mom came in. I was using a homemade transmitter. And she came <laughs> and knocked on my door and she said, August, the light in the hallway is flashing. <laughs> and I realized at the time that my first attempt at building a transmitter, I forgot about bypass capacitors and all the RF, instead of going in the antenna, was going back into the power line and lighting up the 120 volt light bulb in the hallway. So there. You, you told your mom, look, if you knew Morris, you'd know what I was saying. <laughs> and in those days, it was all clean conversation. Oh, yes, yes. That's oh for my sure. gosh, that is funny, man. Anyway, so Anyways, back to you, the you, you had your ham license and you and you, uh, so you have a, obviously a technical background, right? Right. And which which you're right that translates straight over, right? Because the position was for fire alarm system, and mm -hmm. uh, so the very first thing I hope this is not digressing too much. No, please. Is it addressing what you want to hear about? It is a, absolutely. You're you're spot on. You're addressing. Okay. Fact, my heart's my heart's pounding. So keep going. <laughs> I love so. It. So when I got hired by the Standard Electric Time Company to be the salesman in the Cleveland, Ohio office, mm -hmm. I needed to know how these fire alarm system works. Because although I knew technology, Ohm's law, Indian equals the eagle over the rabbit, sees the eagle over the rabbit, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't understand how fire alarm systems work. So there was a great trove of uh, wealth in the file cabinets in the office that I inherited and it was ca it was wiring diagrams mm -hmm. yeah, because the standard they were 
I worked on standards. So that is oh really? You know, those are oh yeah. I've still I've, where I work at. I've got one still. I still have one. Whoa, working. that's oh, old yeah. stuff. I yeah. am not kidding you. It's yeah. got uh, the the screw in. Uh, uh, they've got to be. They've got to be resistors. They're about this Dallas tall. Resist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, it, and the old round pull stations that take the special key. You're right. I've got, yeah, I've got, I think, eight of them in this building. And all it does is is ring the bells and, and that's it. You know, it's got a little snap switch in it. And right. we actually hooked up an AES radio to it. And so when that system goes into alarm, the radio kicks out a fire signal and come you know along comes the fire department so we I, will interface it with uh, with a radio system wow i did yeah. not expect this yeah. depth of knowledge on yeah, your it's, end it's I thought, it's, oh this is good anyway it's i love it that's why when you said standard i'm like i know exactly what those are <laughs> yeah right so the company was out of springfield massachusetts mm -hmm. and um so there's many stories that i could digress to but i guess we shouldn't do that at any rate i learned about fire alarm systems by looking at the wiring diagrams because at that time all the wiring diagrams for the system installation and why are they required? I'll get to that in a moment. Mm -hmm. Were prepared by the factory engineers in Springfield, Massachusetts. So the salesperson would send a list of equipment to the order department, and the order department would give it to the engineers, and the engineers would put together a set of wiring diagrams showing which terminals on the control panel would be connected to those little round pull stations mm -hmm. and uh, which little, which devices would be connected to the output from those balanced resistors notification circuits. And so I really did learn the fundamentals of how those fire alarm systems worked. And that was really my first time thinking about why is all of this done this way? Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was the only way to do it. You had to draw on a drafting board. You had to draw lines and you had to use a ruler and make the line straight and put little templates on there to draw the symbols and make the circles round and things like that. That's the way fire alarm system drawings were made back in those days. Yeah. And that was the early 60s. So um, at any rate, or middle 60s. So anyway, in looking over those drawings it was kind of the foundation of what i do today with firecad hmm. um, knowing that those are required and by the way they are required for two reasons fire alarm system submittal drawings mm -hmm. are required for two reasons one reason is that they need to be submitted to the AHJ, the authority having jurisdiction, which mm -hmm. would be typically your local fire marshal or the fire department. They need to see that you're intending to put in a system that complies with all the code requirements. The second reason they're required is for the installers to be able to know where to connect the wires when they install the equipment. Makes sense, yeah. So, those are the two reasons for the need for what we call shop drawings or submittal drawings. So as the years progressed, the technology came along to not do those drawings on a drafting board with paper, but to use a computer. Mm -hmm. And in the early stages of that, it was pretty 
cumbersome, but it was at least a better method, uh, more accurate method, let's say, than using paper and pencil. Uh, because when you use paper and pencil, you necessarily have to have an eraser. And when you use a computer, your eraser is a mouse click instead, sure. of, a, instead of a something that smudges the paper. <laughs> and so... And, and, and those drawings were hand drawings because I've seen those in the... And Simplex also was making 120-volt systems where you had to balance the, the NAC circuits. And theirs were all hand done too. And yes. they were right down the street from, you know, they were in Gadna. Right, Gadna. Gadna, Gadna, Massachusetts. Gadna, Mass. Yeah. Close to Springfield. <laughs> yeah, right. That's for sure. Anyway, uh, when you would create those drawings, they were for those two purposes. Mm -hmm. And they are still required. And as many things go in the world of government slash institutional requirements, the requirements keep getting stronger. No. Uh, there was a time when you could go, if you were an installer of a fire alarm system, you could call your friend, the plan reviewer or the fire marshal and say, hey, I want to put a system in here. And he'd say, well, you know what you're doing. Make it work and then let me know when it's done and I'll come out and listen to the bells ring. Well, those days are long gone and they're gone for two reasons. Number one, people are now recognizing that when you install a system, that it's, it has a purpose. The purpose is to protect, protect people's lives. Mm -hmm. That's a serious re responsibility. So you can't just say, well, let me know when it rings, because if you fail on that purpose, somebody could die. Yeah. It's really a serious thing that a lot of people don't really take into consideration when they conduct their business, you know, because your business is set up to make a profit generally or to do something, sell stuff, something or whatever. But looks the underlying purpose of what you're doing. So good drawings are important. They they put upon you, the people who the person who produces the drawing, a legal responsibility to be accurate and complete. And they also, uh, again, protect somebody's life. It could be somebody's mother, somebody's child, somebody's dog. Anybody could have a very catastrophic event if you didn't do a good job. So those, that's the number one thing to keep in mind when you're doing these drawings. Back to the months and bolts of this, we came along with computers and the ability to draw uh, lines and circles and things with a computer and a mouse as opposed to doing with paper and pencil. Mm -hmm. And um, But well into the development of that function of preparing shop drawings with a computer, well into it, probably up until about 10, 15 years ago, maybe 20, all the calculations still had to be done with a calculator or a spreadsheet. So let me give you an example of calculations that are needed when you're doing a, when you're creating a set of shop drawings for a fire alarm system or really any other electronic system. Mm -hmm. You have a length of wire between the control panel where the source of the DC power is. Now it's not 120 volts anymore, it's DC with battery backup. 
and you have a length of wire between the panel and the notification appliances, which are the major current consuming uh, items in a, in a fire alarm system. Uh, the horns and strobes, they each, they probably take an average of maybe up to a half an amp yeah. each. So when you put, and you're using DC current for those almost exclusively, when you use DC current on a pair of wires and you load it with a series, and they are in series, of notification appliances, you have voltage drop. Mm -hmm. So uh, these notification appliances that are sold by the manufacturers today will not work below 16 volts. The power supplies usually start out at 24, nominal 24 volts. So what you need to do when you're doing your drawings is to be able to calculate the voltage drop on a notification appliance circuit. You also need to calculate the decibel loss on an audible speaker circuit. All of that up until fairly recently was done by somebody calculating it with a spreadsheet or something like that. Um, so that is something that we, that being myself, and Anthony Conti, who's my son, who grew up in my family business as a fire alarm technician and an installer, uh, we addressed that because we looked at it and we said, I said, Tony, you know, there has to be a better way to prepare drawings so that people don't have to have a calculator or a, or a spreadsheet on hand. The program that they use to draw the lines indicating the wires and the devices, the location of devices, should just automatically calculate that. Can you do that? He said, yes, I can do that. So he's the genius in the family. These calculations uh, need to be done. Mm -hmm. And then when somebody looks at the drawing that you created and said, you put that notification appliance on the right side of the room, you got to move it over to the left side of the room. Then you need to recalculate. Right. Add more and wire, the, more voltage drop and everything. Right. Then if you submit that to the authority having jurisdiction and the AHJ looks at this and said, well, you don't have enough candela rating Mm -hmm. on that on that visual signal, you need to raise the candela. <laughs> then you have to recalculate it again. So you can see that if you were doing this manually, there would be innumerable recalculations necessary, and you'd wear out a lot of pencils <laughs> or <laughs> if you were doing it that way. So we decided to create a program that would um, that would automatically do these calculations. There was one other requirement that we imposed upon ourselves when we put this thing together. Mm -hmm. And I think you can probably say that the team of Anthony and myself, kind of like the architect and the engineer, mm -hmm. I'm not a programmer. He is a brilliant programmer. Uh, but I understand, going back to the very beginning, how this stuff works and, and how you... Uh, relate this part to that part. So by us discussing this together and saying this is what we want to provide in the way of functionality. And then also there was one more um, one more thing that came up to be, be to be very important, the platform. Mm -hmm. um, 
the unquestioned platform for creating drawings of any type for in the construction industry is AutoCAD. Yeah. AutoCAD is produced by Autodesk. AutoCAD is only one of many, many CAD programs that are available, but it's by far the 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 behemoth in the industry in the construction industry. Now there's other CAD programs that are used for other things, machine tools and things like that, but they don't have any relevance to the topic of producing, uh, to the task of producing fire alarm system shop drawings. Mm -hmm. So AutoCAD was the one we decided to go with. So Tony set out to program a uh, functions within the AutoCAD environment and make those perform the tasks of things like voltage drop calculations and automatic one-line drawing diagrams and uh, symbols with addresses on them because one of the developments in the fire alarm industry since I started is called addressable technology. Um, so I've discussed notification appliance circuits and that is pretty much the output side of a fire alarm system. By mm -hmm. the way, a lot of people, when you say a fire alarm system, oh, my God, that's scary. I don't think I understand that. Let me explain that in the most simple terms. A fire alarm system is nothing but a sophisticated doorbell system. <laughs> that's a good it isn't because on a doorbell system, you push a button and out comes a sound sure. on the doorbell. Sure. Well, a fire alarm system is exactly the same thing. You put an input in, and it's not just a button. It could be that little round pull station that you said you have there. And then it could be a smoke detector. It could be a water flow sensor in, connected to a sprinkler system. Mm -hmm. It could be a sprinkler valve tamper switch monitor switch that lets you know that the water has been shut off. But any one of those things is one of the inputs. The outputs are the notification appliances that indicate to the occupants of the building that there is cause for concern. Mm -hmm. And then you also have signals that go off premise to the uh, monitoring station. And so all of those things are important. Uh, are we still connected? I lost your video. No, I, yeah, I'm here. Okay, so, good, good. All right. So, and, and, the way, and the way the system works is that actually it'll take your local video and my local video. So even if the videos look like they're bad, they're actually will still be good. So okay, good. It's pretty. It's so, pretty advanced. All right. So anyway, uh, so you have this sophisticated doorbell system that started out with just an input being a contact closure from that mm -hmm. pull station, but nowadays it's much more sophisticated than that because the input side of the technology is uh, called addressable for the most part. And what that means is you have single pair of wires that travel throughout the entire building. And each sensor, whether it's a smoke detector or a manual pull station or a water flow tamper switch monitor, is addressable. Not only does it receive its power from those two conductors, but it also reports its information on the same two conductors using digital technology. So you can have a whole lot of points, we call them points, mm -hmm. uh, or zones or inputs 
on a fire alarm system? Well, when you do that, you have to ad address each one of them. That's why we call it an addressable system. And when you're doing a set of drawings, you need to identify the address of the input object, mm -hmm. pull station, smoke detector, heat detector, and so forth. So when you're preparing the drawings, you need to identify those. Well, obviously, if you're putting addresses on these input devices and you're doing it manually by typing in numbers, what if you put in two of the same address? Then the system's not going to work. That's a good point, yeah. And you have no way to tell because you, you, know, you could have a big building. Right, right. Yeah. So in this case, with the software that we created, which is called FireCat, I'm trying to avoid making it a advertisement for that. It's technology that counts. Anyway, so when you connect those devices using your mouse, it automatically sets an address. And the address in general increments. So if you start closest to the source of the signal on the first device nearest to the panel, it's number one, and then number two, number three, number four, number five. However, it's not that simple because some manufacturers use a protocol which is not exactly sequential numbering. And so they might say sensors which detect smoke or heat have a numbering system which go from 1 to 159. Mm -hmm. And modules which are pull stations, manual pull stations and switch monitors, they go from... 160 to you know 312 so or some other variation of that mm -hmm. so when you are connecting your systems uh, and your addressable initiating circuits and preparing your drawings you must show those addresses on the drawing so that the plan reviewer can look at them and say okay these are okay these are acceptable or these fall into the category of uh, what they're supposed to with this brand of equipment. There are no limits to the scrutiny that is applied to fire alarm submittal drawings by the authorities having jurisdiction. I'm now going to give you the second reason that these drawings have become more important and, w and that the market for good shop drawings has increased. Not only the fact that people are paying more attention to the li legal liability, this is the legislated part of the market, mm -hmm. the lawyer-driven part of the market, making sure that they're accurate, and the common sense, let's do it right part of the market. But there are more and more people getting into the fire protection plan review business. Oh. And so, you know, this could be the firefighter who broke his leg falling off a ladder. They put him on plan review duty. This could be the graduate from Illinois Institute of Technology that is a fire protection engineer and gets his first job or her first job, plan reviewer. But like any industry, there is a tendency for self-preservation of the industry and the participants in the industry. So therefore, the more 
plan reviewers there are, the more requirements that the municipalities put out for documents to be submitted and the more levels of sophistication they require. So it's basically making work for the industry. You know, I, I never thought of that. That's an excellent that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So yeah, and that's and, and, and we we've also I don't mean to interrupt, but we've also got some independent plan reviewers that aren't that, that the cities will contract out. Yes. And I've we've had that out here on the West Coast where where certain jurisdictions will go, well, we contract this through ABC Group and and so submit all your stuff there. And even the inspectors will come from those same those same uh, consulting firms. Like they won't they don't even they're not even city employees in some cases. Yes. In fact, I'm on the board of the Illinois Automatic Fire Alarm Association. And one of my uh, fellow board persons is a guy named Warren Olson, who is uh, uh, the is associated with uh, FS, FSCI, which is uh, one of those companies that it's a third party plan review uh, company. And, and, you know, again, the way business works, the way government works and so forth, uh, you have budget cutbacks and sometimes the fire department's can't afford to pay their own employees to do these plan reviews. So they say, we're going to increase this, the permit fee enough to pay this third party company to do the job. And that's commonly done. And it's, I don't know it what percentage. Sense. It makes sense because if you're outsourcing that, if you can't afford it and can't bring it in house, you can outsource it and contract it out. It does provide employment, you know, and that gives us a place for professionals to go if we decide we're, we're going to hang up our hang up our tool bags and go do something right. different. Well, you know, I mean, a, a lot of people will debate, you know, this thing in terms of. I said make work, and I didn't mean it in a derogatory no, word I, I uh, way because making work is what has caused our industry to be a potentially profitable industry, and it's attracted right. many talented people to be in the industry. So you can't you can't poo poo. The idea that we are building an industry by passing requirements. The fire alarm system industry is a legislated market. Yeah. If it weren't for the laws that require these systems, these big companies wouldn't be investing in the in the technology. I, I can't disagree with that. And I, I tell my students, I say, the fact that we work in an industry where you have to be licensed, you have to have qualifications, you have to jump through hoops, limits the people who can get there which makes you more profitable, makes you more valuable as an employee. And if we, because it takes a lot of the different, you know, qualifications to do that work, then right. it keeps the trunk slammers out. And, it, and, and the, the, sometimes the stricter the, sometimes the stricter the, you know, the stricter the rules are, the, the better off it is for the folks who do the work. Right. And, you know, and I think, and I totally agree with you when, when something goes on the wall, the, it's critical that it be done correct. It's life safety. You know, it, when things go sideways, and I've worked in, in on sprinkler systems and on fire alarm systems, when things go sideways and somebody gets, you know, unfortunately killed or something like that, you're, we're going to go to court. You're, they're going to yes. go. They're going to, the, the insurance company's going to come in. They're going to come in with their lawyers and they're going to start playing, pin the liability on somebody. Right. You don't want that liability you want that you if you've documented everything and what your product is doing is 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 providing that exact documentation if you've documented everything you've done and yes. and you followed the rules then right. you're not liable that that liability go as long as you've installed it the way it's supposed to be installed it's documented the way it's supposed to be it's permitted the way it's supposed to be permitted you're good 
Yes, you, you're right. You're doing due diligence. Yeah, I love it. So, so what we strive to do with the product that we produce, the Firecat software, is to make it possible for you to make accurate drawings. But there's another component to it. And the other component is to make them more quickly. And therefore, the benefit of using this type of software is not only does it make your drawings more accurate and address mm -hmm. all of those questions that we just covered with liability, but it also can increase your profitability. Um, there are still people doing drawings with pencil and paper. Oh, wow. And there are. And uh, there are still people doing drawings using Adobe Acrobat, which mm -hmm. is a very difficult method to use uh, because, you know, it can't incorporate all the automatic calculations and so forth. Uh, so there are still people doing drawings uh, in a somewhat antiquated way. There are still people doing the drawings with ordinary AutoCAD without the additional tools that FireCAD provides. Mm -hmm. And so um, our goal as we sell the product, and we have an excellent sales manager, and he is always constantly stressing the benefits of using this type of automation software. And uh, so, uh, so... So does, does, does FireCAD, excuse me, does FireCAD plug into an existing AutoCAD or does it stand alone? Like, like you don't have to have AutoCAD, you don't have to license to have an AutoCAD to have FireCAD work, correct? Both. And, and that's, again, wow. part of, it's part of what we came up with. So our FireCAD functionality uh, was originally created to plug into Fire to AutoCAD. Mm -hmm. uh, it plug in, and you 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 said the right word, so you're obviously understanding of it. And that is, you can add with with AutoCAD, uh, and I think just the name tells anybody that's listening to this podcast uh, what it is. It's a CAD program, and nope, they probably know. And so, you can plug in automation software that then automatically does things like calculations and so forth. So the first uh, version of FireCAD was just a plug-in. Mm -hmm. But then, um, and, and I think I have to take my hat off to Anthony's, Tony's um, genius in creating the software. He had an idea one day, he's a creative guy, and he said, hey dad, I'm gonna call Autodesk and I'm gonna try to get licensed as a standalone using the AutoCAD OEM platform. Mm -hmm. So AutoCAD sells, notably AutoCAD, the full version, AutoCAD Lite, which is less capable. Uh, and then it also, which very little, not a lot of people know, uh, a product called AutoCAD OEM. It's the same AutoCAD platform. Mm -hmm. And uh, you buy it from them and you can put your own name on it. So FireCAD yeah, standalone. That's excellent. Wow. Yeah, FireCAD standalone is built on the AutoCAD OEM platform. When I explain that to people, I say, did you ever see a place where they make recreational vehicles and you see all these chassis with cabs and engines in the front, but nothing on the back, sitting out in the yard outside the plant, they bring them in and they put the camper housing on top of it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we do with AutoCAD OEM. We buy the platform, and then we put the uh, FireCAD fire alarm system and, by the way, other low-voltage systems 
uh, can be can be done. Anything so that connects. So it anything. doesn't have to just be fire. So the folks, because I do have listeners that are in access control and and um, uh, cameras. Does is, is it does it have the ability to do other stuff? Yes. Yes. Oh wow. Uh, we have a, we have it all works from a database, mm-hmm. and so the database uh, we already have databases for nurse call access cameras, card readers, uh, you know any kind of. Any kind of system, even wireless systems, uh, because there's plenty of wireless security and fire alarm systems in, on the market. And so anything that connects to anything, where the connections need to be defined. And wow. that's what FireCAD does. We call it FireCAD because by far the biggest market, because the drawings are required, mm-hmm. is the fire alarm market. Um, there are a lot of uh, security systems and access control systems that are n- there, there's no drawings associated with them at all, because if you are you know purchasing one of those systems, there's no governmental or municipal requirement for the system. You just want to get it for your own benefit and protection or whatever. You don't need a set of drawings except as long as the installers know how to hook it up. And that's right. that's bordering on what the term you use called trunk slammers. But you know what? Everybody started as a trunk slammer. <laughs> I know we, we use that term, but right. uh, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, we have customers who used to be trunk slammers, but they've used FireCAD to grow their business to the point where they have to hire people and they're no longer trunk slammers. No more, no yeah. more, no more monkeys jumping out of the trunk. So yeah, that's right. So, so if the, if the, if the product, so the product is standalone, you could use it. And I'm, I'm totally with, with documentation. I, I, when I teach students, matter of fact, this last week was drawings and, and stuff like that and master right. formats. And I said, look, you know, if you look at the lifestyle life cycle of a building, if we start from permits and, and excavation, every single thing that goes into that building from the flooring, the type of furnishings, the T-bar ceilings, the, the acoustic tiling, the piping, the fixtures, the alum, the, the um, luminaires, everything is documented and put on a shelf somewhere. Somebody has all the documentation when the building's commissioned and all that documentation is up should be in in real life switched out so if i come in and we rearrange things we remodel stuff and we tear down these walls and we take out the tile and we put in carpet honestly the the engineer should taking should be taking those cut sheets out that don't apply anymore and putting in the cut sheets that do so that the dock sets that go with the building are absolutely accurate all the way to the end and i have been in buildings where they are and i've been in buildings where they're not and that, so it sounds to me like your product could be something that if you were, if you had, you know, if you do changes, you could then alter those changes and reproduce a set of as-builds and say, look, you know, we've modified the system and here's how, here's the modifications, put that in the dock box. Because all that stuff, at least in my world, in the fire alarm world, everything needs to be troubleshot by somebody because everything's going to have a problem at some point. And that... Right. Those are the breadcrumbs that help technicians, and they may or may not be from your company, find their way through the system. So when I show yeah. up and, I, and I've got, uh, and I'll pick on Convergent, which is you know, a pretty good sized firm. When I show up and Convergent has been there and put the system in, I know the documentation is gonna be complete. I know it. 
I could walk up, pull the doc box out, lay out the lay out the drawings and go, boom, I know exactly what I'm doing and know where I'm going. I can also go behind certain companies and I'm like, there's the panel. <laughs> there's nothing else here. <laughs> you know, I'm starting right. from scratch. So right. I love the fact that your product could be picked up by somebody and used to help document what's going on. That's by the crazy. way, the, the, you mentioned Convergent. I knew those guys when they just started out. When they were tiny guys. So, so did you did you ever know Mario when he when he uh, uh, out from here from Oregon when they started? There was a. Um, Mar- uh, oh God, his last name just just. Left. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm scrambling for the same the same thing. Not I, Mario. I took, I took over the, the teaching the fire alarm from him when when he left. Uh, uh, or when he. He was working for Convergent here, right? Okay. McClackamas, and then, uh, but he was one of the original guys that helped. No, they started out in Chicago and uh, in the Chicago suburbs. Oh, I think it was in the branch when they started moving west, and they started open up branches. I think he was. Oh, they open up branches, but their first office was in Chicago, and uh, they they were a distributor for Fast Fire Alarm Systems Technology, which became EST. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. And, yeah. And they didn't have any technicians. So my company, at the time I owned a fire, alarms, a fire alarm company, uh, we uh, we did the programming for the system they installed in the Tribune Tower in Chicago. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, that was a long time ago. So how, do you, it, how, does, how does FireCat deal with the ST where the, where the devices all have, you know, a, sort of a MAC address? Do you, how, how does that... That's a good question. I was just discussing that with somebody today. Uh, we put addresses on the on them, and they and the addresses are printed on the symbols on the drawing, and they don't have to be programmed that way because I think you're referring to the fact that EST equipment can be self mapping. Mm-hmm. You can connect it up, and it senses the devices and gives them that MAC address. And uh, yes, you. But the MAC address is not the same as the three-digit addresses that we assign on the drawings. Now, mm-hmm. again, when it comes to hooking them up and using those MAC addresses or the internal system addresses, mm-hmm. that is mostly used for the programming uh, of the input-output functions of the panels. Because, you know, I mean, one of the things we didn't discuss is that the uh, programming of panels has become very sophisticated. You have building systems that close dampers and start fans and release doors and and respond to water input versus smoke input in a very sophisticated manner. That requires programming in the panel, and we don't Mm -hmm. address that in FireCAD. We simply, uh, we define the inputs, we define the outputs, and then once it gets out in the field and they install the system, then the answer to your question is we don't address that issue with EST because it doesn't have anything to do with what we need to put on the drawings in order to get the drawings approved. And and I would would assume that Anthony's probably figured out a way to do any database matching because you know, an EST where they have they have their like we're talking about. I call it a MAC address. They have another name for it, but yeah. But then how you have to correlate those when they do their software builds, where they correlate the address and the label, and because EST is a whole different animal. I'm I'm a simplex guy, so it's like a it's a much simpler world for me. 
Well, you know, simplex is rein reincarnated itself. You know that, right? Yeah. Auto call. Yeah, yeah. It's out there. You know, too. the old auto call company was just like the Standard Electric Time Company in that it was all mechanical stuff. They were in Shelby, Ohio, mm -hmm. and they made all this old stuff just like the old Standard Electric Time stuff. And then when it was acquired through the series of acquisitions and ended up in Johnson Controls' hands. Oh, uh, is that where it went? Okay. So yeah, Johnson Controls now owns Simplex and Autocall. Mm -hmm. And be, Simplex, for, good or, for, for better or worse, acquired quite a negative reputation among consumers and other competitors. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people didn't like Simplex. And I think Johnson Controls sensed that. So they took all of the Simplex equipment and renamed it with an A in front of the part number. <laughs> and it's now auto call. Yeah. And it's all exactly the same thing. But it's really okay. good stuff. Well, it, the it's, it's dynamite equipment. We it always is. in the industry when I was uh, um, because I work for uh, a hospital out here now, but we said if Simplex ever figures out how to provide service, like a dozen other companies will be completely screwed because <laughs> it's, it's it's the fact that they stumble over their internal processes so much. That's that, what that, I was that referring to. Crazy. And, yeah. uh, but I, you know, the product line is, I mean... I'm a. I work on 4200 ES's and U's and pluses and the, the big, the big monster systems. And those things are are the programming in those things is just. I mean, it's it's dynamite. It's, and they have an addressable NAC system. You were, you took the words right out of my mouth. Oh. That is, they're the only company that has an addressable yeah. NAC system. Yeah. Stroke of genius. I was watching my. Te I don't program on those, and I was watching my the technician who does work with us show me how they work, and I just went, "That's a stroke of genius." That's it stroke is. of genius. It's just it's makes setting up floor above and floor below. He said there's a wizard function that he uses when things are correct that they they can um, set up, and it will do floor above and floor below one click. Once they get it set up, boom, sets it up, done. Now all right. your groups are complete. All your NAT groups are complete, and it it's ready to rock and roll. And he goes, and it works fantastic. And I just went. I mean. I never, I've never, I've, I've done the input side and I, I can do the outputs, but I have never set that up. So I, I, I certainly wasn't going to go poke around on something I didn't know. And he, uh, he says, yeah, check this out. And he was showing me. I oh my God, well, this is well, fantastic. One of the, one of the biggest benefits of the addressable NAC system is something that you wouldn't expect. It is much less subject to voltage drop than non-addressable systems. I did not and, know that. Yeah, the reason is because typical notification appliance circuit must be calculated at 20 point beginning voltage of 20.4 volts. Mm -hmm. And that's because of the UL requirement for the voltage to be no less than 80% when it's on battery standby. But you can calculate the NAC circuit voltage drop on an auto call or simplex addressable NAC circuit starting at 29 volts. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And so if you start at 29, you get oh, a lot, yeah. you know, you can tolerate much uh, oh, greater because they're drop. using, they're essentially that NAC SLC at whatever they're calling that. And right. um, it's called a, a uh, ID just, NAC. Yeah, ID, yeah, exactly. ID which, NAC. Which, which the, their SLC on their older systems ran at 39 volts, and the newer ones, you're exactly right, running at 29. So you got much more 
much more voltage coming out. You got you get more right. power to play with. Yeah, you have and you, a greater. You think of that, and I work on yeah. this. Stuff. Oh, man. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We see it all, don't we? We do. So uh, yeah, it's so your so your so your son's put this together. He's put this product together, and he's got the 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 standalone and the plugins. And now you go to market it. How how is it? Is it selling like hotcakes and people? I mean, this is if I was a if I was a uh, up and starting company that wouldn't even think twice. This is where I would go. Oh my god! Uh, yes, it is selling like hotcakes. Uh, yeah. We we have, you know, it's re one of the most satisfying things is when we get people who say thank you for selling me this, and we do. We actually get people saying thank you. I have people saying my business has increased because I'm using your software. Well, okay, and, so I work for contractors where I've had I've had to send my drawings out because I don't have a nice set four on staff, or I didn't have the ability to do it, or I didn't have a drawer. Right. So I would have to I'd have to contract it out, send it to you know Utah, or send it to these guys, whatever right. company that did it. So I'm paying maximum dollar. To, yeah. to have these drawings done based and then of course you get them and oh, this is wrong and go back and do changes where if I had the ability to do it myself and then have a PE or a nice at four review them make sure that I didn't make any mistakes stamped you're good I mean that that right there just cuts the middle right out of it August it's just well to some degree one of the things that uh, that I've I've been involved in the in the sale of, I don't sell this anymore. We have a sales manager. Mm -hmm. I do support and uh, training for Anthony, my son. I have another business, and that is I do have another business, which I produce drawings. I am one of those third-party drawing production companies, mm -hmm. a separate company, and that's being taken over by my daughter. It's a family business. Uh, and so I, there, this is Mike, Mike Holt was the same way. He's like, well, I got my daughter runs this and yeah, mountain bike. <laughs> like, right. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly the way it should be. So, right. I mean, like, uh, they asked Richard Daly, the first mayor, Richard Daly mm -hmm. in Chicago about setting up his, one of his family members as an insurance contractor for the city. He said, Hey, if you can't help your kids, who can you help? <laughs> anyway, they can help you too. Uh, so we do drawings, and the point of that is um, one of the reasons that FireCAD is so good, and is because number one, we're all veterans of the fire alarm industry. Every one of us, uh, they we all grew up in the industry. And number two, uh, since we use FireCAD, and my co the company is called Con Technical. On the Con Technical side, we use FireCAD, and we are basically the beta testers. So oh, when yeah. when Anthony comes out with some new features, he gives it to us first, and we run it through its paces so that by the time it hits production, it's been thoroughly, thoroughly debugged. If there, and rarely does he ever have any bugs because he's so conscientious about making sure that it functions correctly the, before he puts it out but so now, anyway now Dakota, Dakota told me that the way that if, if you told it okay I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm working on a, a firelight panel that yeah. all of the devices for firelight automatically load so that you're you can just drag and drop firelight and all of those calculations are you know done or if I'm doing side of the night or Potter I can I can use all those things so so he's got all of the data sets already in there in this database for all the different manufacturers? Yes. Oh, 
Wow. Yes, one of our one of our biggest tasks was to build our database, mm -hmm. and we are constantly adding to our database. Our database controls the software. Now, um, if you wish, I can tell you a little about the technical aspects of how that happens. Do you want me to? Yeah, because it's, it's got to be cloud-based to get all the updates, correct? No. Well, the yeah. database well, yeah. is on the yeah the database is on the cloud. But yeah. the point I was going to make is this: um, when you think of an you, you, when you think of an AutoCAD document. Mm -hmm. The AutoCAD document has symbols representing the components of the system. Each symbol could be a smoke detector, could be a notification appliance, could be a control panel. Each one of those symbols on the AutoCAD drawing has all the values that are associated with it that need to be incorporated in reports when you make a calculation. Okay. So think of this. If you have 6,000 components, and it's not unusual to have 6,000 components in a big fire alarm system, and you want to do a calculation, and it includes the technical information from all 6,000 of those components, if you're using the AutoCAD objects that are in the drawing to contribute the content to that report, the only way to do that is to scan the drawing. And that's very, very time-consuming. Yeah. However, in FireCAD, we don't do that. In FireCAD, this is the genius that Tony came up with. He has a database that it contains all the data. It's an SQL server database. Mm -hmm. Then each device of the component of the system uh, is linked to the database. But the only information is the name of the device and its position on the drawing. Other than that, yeah. that's the only information that the drawing sends to the database. When you make a report, the report is not generated by scanning the drawing. It's generated by asking the database for the calculation. Sure, it's That's, giving the database enough information. It's going, sure, here's all, your, here's all your values. Right. In fact, we have a feature in FireCAD. Let's say that you have a 47-story building with 10,000 devices on it, and somehow your AutoCAD drawing gets corrupted. Mm-hmm. You lose it. You can use the database to recreate the drawing and put every device exactly where it was on the original drawing that got lost. Because you can redraw. Because it, it knows all of the all of the data was sent, so it had it all. Yeah, the and database then, has oh, it. Okay, you can, so right. so you can basically restore by because it's going to put all the positional data back mm -hmm. on the oh man that is brilliant. not only the position not only the positional data but also the the you know the current drain mm -hmm. the candela settings uh, the rotation of the device all that that is and so there was a feature did he build it in there or just realize it at the point when he's doing the program going you know what we can do with this we can restore if we have because because corruption does happen in these in these in these right. big docs you're absolutely right, right. yeah oh, man, no he came crazy. up with the he came up with the concept of storing data 
in the database and linking it to the drawing. That's the genius of what we do. There are other programs that do similar jobs, mm -hmm. but none of them use a database to calculate. Therefore, FireCAD is much faster than any of the other drawing, uh, possible ways of doing jobs, doing this job, much faster and, uh, you know, and much more uh, secure because mm -hmm. even if you lose your drawing, you don't lose the data that, because you got the database and I, there's I, a lot I, of backups that is really impressive i you've yeah. i, I to, when so dakota uh like i said he this is a guy who's always wanted to to do his own thing and when he struck out and did it i said you know great well we'll have you on the podcast when when you're ready and so yeah. he came on and did it and when he mentioned your your product i went you know i said it was an all stop i have to I have to know more about this and uh he he did not you know, he he said, yeah, this thing is is super intuitive, like because he's worked in this field for long enough that he knows how how right. much how much cocking. he goes, Mike, it's it's honest. To God, it's one of the easiest programs I've ever used. And I'm so happy that he concluded oh, that and told you yeah, about it. He absolutely did. He was and he was spot on. I guess he was spot yeah. on. You were, I want so I want my my listeners to uh, because I do have a lot of folks who who do a lot of different things, especially since they know that it's not fire only, that it does other other uh, properties out there. They need to they really need to look at this, because uh, if 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 I was a one man show or a sole proprietorship and I was just starting out, this is exactly where I would go. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be using a, I wouldn't be using anything other because it would just it just I could just tell by what you've told me. And in my time in the industry, which is I've only been in it about a quarter century or more, it's it's a it's a really that is really really unique. I mean that just is really unique. And I know AutoCAD. I know folks who have got the AutoCAD figured out where they it can do calculations on certain things. I know that. Mm -hmm. But when you see the the because uh, my experience was, was was always with AutoCAD Lite. And I was only just drawing in a layer of what I was doing, but the real people who, you know, the real nuts and bolts were the CAD operators who knew I would give right. them my stuff and they would go, okay, well, we'll, we'll fix whatever you've done here. So, um, yeah, that is, that is really intuitive. <laughs> That's really, you know, you know, uh, one of the things that has occurred to me, I've been doing this for a long time. And uh, so I do training. Mm -hmm. and support for the Firecat software in addition to uh, running the other company that we do the production uh, drawings with, through. Um, and um, we have a lot of Firecat users who have never used AutoCAD before. And that is a very interesting scenario because you think that if you're going to sell this software to somebody, your customers are going to be experienced AutoCAD users. Mm -hmm. However, you know, we both know that you could build, you could design a rocket ship capable of flying to the moon with AutoCAD and all the mechanical stuff and solids and everything. But to design a fire alarm system, you might need one half of 1% of AutoCAD's capabilities. And so in order, because you're doing a two-dimensional bird's eye view of a building, that's all you're doing. And so when we get people who haven't used AutoCAD before, it's almost as easy as training people who have used AutoCAD because there's only about 10 things they need to learn how to do, how to zoom in, zoom out, mm -hmm. drag, pan, and click the mouse. Yeah. And 
FireCAD does a lot of the other things for you. So therefore, uh, it's not intimidating for a non-AutoCAD user to use the program because they only have to do a few things. Uh, so, but I was going to address one thing that Go has ahead. been the another challenge in selling and marketing FireCAD is those people that you just referred to. You referred to those people who have been using AutoCAD and have built their own little industry, their own little fiefdom mm -hmm. of capabilities and uh, being the source of a yeah. solution to a business owner's needs. And I will tell you that I've heard business owners shake in their boots over the threat of their CAD people leaving. And to the point where the owner of the business was worried about the power that the CAD people have in their hands mm -hmm. because they were in control of what gets sent in and therefore what gets installed and so mm -hmm. forth. And so uh, providing something like FireCAD makes it less dependent upon the old-fashioned, powerful uh, uh, CAD king <laughs> in the, the CAD department. Your, your fiefdom is a good is a good way to put that. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah. And so the other thing that happens uh, is when we go to sell the program, and I just discussed this today with somebody, you have people who have been doing it the same way for 25, 30, 40, 50 years. And as you know, inertia at rest tends to remain at rest. And there are people who resist this new technology because it's not the way they've always done it. Mm -hmm. And you have to live with that. We can't win them over sometimes because they say, well, you know what, I can, I've been doing this so long, I can do it just as fast. And they may be true. It may be true. You know, but what the, the, the truth is that all of the old dogs finally go to the graveyard. And so one of the things that happens now is we get younger people. Younger people are more eager to accept new technology and new methods. I love talking to the younger 20-somethings. Yeah. And all because they are so fast. They, you tell them, okay, yeah, I got it. What's the next thing? Yep. Uh, and I love it. Because and it they keeps cut me their on my teeth toes. on computers. That's all they've ever done is work right. on computers. They've either been on an iPad or, the, or they're on a, on a PC all their lives. And you're exactly right. They've got a lot of energy. And this is the generation, and I'm going to get on my soapbox. This is the generation that we need to train to the level that I'm at. And when I teach, I say, I don't want you to, don't, don't get to Mike Brooks's level. Don't, don't, don't just go here. You need to crush what I'm doing. You need to crush it. You need to be on on your game needs to be better than mine when you get to this point. So if I take somebody and, and say you're an apprentice and you know in three years gonna turn out to be a journeyman, in five years I want you to be crushing it. Because in the real game of of apprenticing somebody, that tradesperson, that journeyman teaches everything that journeyman knows to their apprentice. Their apprentice goes out, becomes a journeyman, figures out stuff, and then comes back and says, look, I've got this information. I've got new things, new skills. 
either teaches that other journeyman or teaches his own apprentice how to do that. And that's how technology gets further along. And it's been this way for every trade that's ever happened, whether it was masonry, right. whether it was carpentry, whether it was, you know, sculptures, it doesn't matter. The, the new technology gets applied and, they, and the next thing you know, the next generation is using it. And so you're spot on. It is, it is the kids, it's the younger group that we right. are appealing to, to just, I say, look, you've got to embrace this. LED lighting's like this. I've watched, I have watched lighting go from 277, you know, incandescent and fluorescent fixtures and T12s and T8s and T5s and all these, you know, fluorescent, boom, they're gone. You don't even see them anymore, all LED. Now they're dropping the voltage down. And in my recent uh, NEC uh, changes that I just had to do for my, uh, one of my licenses, you know they're putting 10 amp breakers in houses 10 amp breakers they're going to start selling and marketing well they already are 10 amp breakers because the loads are down so low now with lighting they can absolutely put them in and i never thought of that you're right yeah, yeah. yeah. it is it, it the the industry is changing right before our eyes and and, yeah. be, and the way that code is driven and the way that the industry is driven and and the fact that like groups that you're associated in have a huge huge way of changing to the better especially in america where where we've got you know we've got code that's driven off of the off of things that didn't work and products that we put out that oh they didn't quite work the way we want we modify them now they're better now they're better now they're better now we've got absolutely dialed in technologies and the code drives that and the tech and the and the industry drives that and in five, 10 years, you've got lighting that is super efficient, better, doesn't flicker, can carry data at this point, and right. it can be, it can be, it doesn't cause fires. <laughs> I'm like, it's a safer place. I mean, holy cow. You know, when you and I were younger, it was like uh, lead paint, asbestos. So, yeah, we don't care. It's everywhere. Enjoy it. You know, everything. And now we've actually produced and made a safer world here from it and i i just it just thrills me to no end so now i get off my soapbox well i like your soapbox um <laughs> the, the uh, what you're saying is is so true and the kids i had to respond to a text message from a persistent oh. caller there uh so um you know i see the younger people and they you have to understand if you're an older generation like I am and you've been around a long time, you must r realize, you must respect these young people. Mm -hmm. I had a plumber come in the other day and he, he couldn't have been over 25 years old. And it, you have this, we, older people, have this tendency that have been in the business, for, in any business for a long time, have a tendency to look at some of the other people, uh, some of the people we meet and evaluate younger people compared to older people and say, well, this older guy has been a plumber for 30 years. He's got to be good. Right. But he probably does. He probably is. That doesn't mean he's better than the 25-year-old plumber mm -hmm. because that 25-year-old plumber can learn faster and he can also, or she can also uh, pick up on new technology. Not that plumbing has a lot of new technology, but... Uh, you know, we need to respect the younger people and the things that they learn 
and put into practice just as much as we need to respect the experience that the older people have. I, I can't disagree. I, I cannot disagree. I, I teach when I when I start my classes, and I I, t I usually teach three different classes in this particular uh, group that I teach for. Uh, but my favorite one is is the is this usually the second or the third class that they take after they've started. And so when I get all my apprentices in, the first thing I do is have them all introduce themselves so that everybody knows in, and where they came from. What did you do before you got into this trade? And I've got I've had I've had people with degrees in philosophy. Uh, I had a got a pilot last term. I had a pilot, uh, literally had flown for years for commercial airline pilots. Said I'm done flying. I don't want to do this anymore. And um, he was flying an Embry Air, and he just says I or Embry the the Brazilian plane. He goes, yeah, I'm done. I I, I got to go do something different. I've had mechanics. Uh, I've had kids that, that had degrees in physics. So they're all now coming into these trades. These are these are skill sets that they want to put to to work in their own you know, with their own hands, something that can't be outsourced. And mm -hmm. um, I'm like, okay, great. Well, you're here. So everybody, and a lot of ex-military, I'm a former military guy too. So we talk about that. Everybody starts looking around the room like, I didn't know you were in the Army. I didn't know you were in the Navy. I didn't know you did this. I didn't know you worked in the in the in this industry. And it, it equalizes the playing field. And the first thing I tell them is that, is that I don't expect my apprentice to carry my ladder and my tools. That's my job. I, I don't, I will appreciate it if you want to. And I, you know, sure, I'm an old man carrying my bag if it makes you feel good, but I carry my own damn tools and I will do my own work if I, you know, I, it, it's it's great. I All I want you to do is knock it out of the park. So once we get that level playing field and then we start to talk and I tell everyone, I'm going to say, you know things I don't know. And and I one, for example, I was teaching uh, parallel uh, ohms law and, and parallel resistors. And I said, look, I have known how to calculate resistance in parallel and all that good stuff all, I don't know, since I was in my teens. So, yeah. but you know what I, I don't have is I don't have a good mnemonic in my head of why I could share with you how when I add all these, these resistors in parallel that the total resistance is going to be less than the smallest resistor in the stack. I, I don't have a good way to show you on the white, on the whiteboard or the, the, uh, the dry marker board. And this kid says, can I, can I, can I, and, show you something? I said, absolutely. Tossed him my dry erase marker. Kid comes up and he had a degree in physics. He goes, draws a, draws a tank of water, draws a pipe <laughs> to the next I tank of water. Right. He goes, he goes you just, you're just putting more pipes in. And I went, <laughs> he goes, I the pipe, if the pipe is bigger, then the resistance is smaller. And he goes, you're getting resistance and size of the pipe yeah. mixed up. And I just went, holy crap. That was, yeah. that, that was the mnemonic I needed. And I, I looked at the, I, I thanked this kid, and I, I have been using that tool to teach ever since then. And every time I use it, I say, this came from somebody sitting right out there. One of my yeah. students came up and, and helped me. I says, and so don't think for one second that you have information that I don't need, because I do. Because you know something I don't know. <laughs> and, yeah. and trust me, there's a lot in this head. But yeah, I'm 58. I mean, I can't. I can't remember everything. Holy cow. So, right. uh, yeah, it's so that your philosophy is just like, I love it, man. And the same thing like Elmer's, when we Elmer people for ham radio, I got a couple of kids that are interested in that. I'm like, okay, we'll go through it and I'll show you what I know and, you know, talk about it and see if it, right. see if it appeals to you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I wish I had time for it. Maybe when I retire, 
I'll have the ham radio rig again. <laughs> it, I, I will tell you, I, I don't want to get too far off that track, but um, I've had my license since uh, 99 is when I got it. I came out of the military and messed around. I was a spook in the military, so I kind of just sort of listened, you know, and did that kind of stuff. I actually did electronic warfare. And then I, um, I decided at, right at that Y2K thing, my boss was uh, N7CRF. He says, hey, you got to get your license. We got to get your license. I said, all right. So I took my license and I did did the five words per minute and passed that. Yeah. And I got cooked. So then I became a general and then eventually I became an extra light, I call it. Yeah, and, um, yeah. <laughs> I operated for years with an ICOM radio and I loved it. And then this ICOM radio just went south. Now we're in. Yep. And yeah. so we, I uh, bought a Yesu DX10 FT or FT DX10. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's got a TFT display. I'm telling you, when I sat on that rig and operated it for the first time, it it, it is a it it sounds and has it's a ten thousand dollar rig. It is a Watkins and Johnson HF rig that I operated in the Navy or played with in the Navy. It is that rig in today's and it cost about fourteen hundred bucks or something. I mean, I just yeah. was astounded in its quality. It is it the the new radios. Are so good, and it doesn't matter if you get like an ICOM seventy three hundred or a Yesu. Doesn't matter what you get. All the new stuff with the digital. It's half digital and half, you know, it's all software defined and stuff like that. It mm -hmm. is remarkable. And so, if you do you decide to get back in the radio thing, you can get, you can get a USB driven Air Spy radio. It's a. It's honest to God. It's about. It's small. It's you can fit four of them on this phone. That's how small right. they are. Plug them into USB, plug it into an antenna, and your world opens up, and you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe yeah. what you can do with radio now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know. I've heard stories like those from oh. others, and and it does fascinate me. But what I've learned is, you know, when you're an ambitious person, you got to learn what not to do because there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> not enough time in the day. I'm telling you. With you. To I, do it I, all. August, I could probably talk to you for a month, honest to God. I, 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 I have, I, I, this is one of the reasons I podcast is because I, I meet just incredibly interesting people. And, and uh, obviously, I have a zest to talk, so that works well for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, I, could you uh, plug, your, uh, plug the company so how, how folks can get a hold of you and, sure. and see your products? And, and then I'll, I'll probably shut this down before we go to an hour and a half. <laughs> Right. We have, um, uh, so our company is called uh, CADGEN Software, C-A-D-G-E-N, CADGEN Software. And uh, the product that we, our mainstay product is FireCAD, F-I-R-E-C-A-D Software. And um, so it is a CAD program for the benefit of people that need to produce system submittal and shop drawings. And I say system because although its name is FireCAD, it's just the biggest market for it is the fire alarm business. Uh, but it can do all kinds of low voltage or high voltage or anything that connects to anything. I mean, you could make a set of drawings that defines a plumbing system because in a plumbing system, each you know device connects through a pipe to another device. Um, uh, but, you, you know, it's not used for that because there's no market for that. The market that's the big market 
and the one where it offers the greatest savings in both time and money is the pre preparation of fire alarm drawings, fire alarm system, shop drawings, and submittal drawings. Beautiful. So uh, anyway, that's FireCAD. And, and, then uh, and then the the drawing company. Now, are you just drawing for Illinois or Ohio oh, no. or are you any or nationwide? All over the country. Okay, so, uh, so nationwide. Let's that company as well. Okay. Con yes, Con Technical, C O N T E C H N I C A L dot okay. com. Con Technical. Con Technical. Dot com. If you need drawings done, you could also you could also go to somebody who's got expertise yeah. in it. done. And some people just don't want to do their own drawings. They don't have time. You know, even though they can buy the software, buying the software doesn't give you the time to use it. Right. So if you don't have time to use it, you can you can outsource, outsource it. to us. Yeah, outsource it. Uh, yeah. Would you would you come back on again at some point? Oh, of course, yeah. I'd love to. Oh. Hey, right. I really appreciate your time tonight. And I thank know you great. so much. It's it's oh, yeah. a pleasure. Excellent. Have a great okay. day. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend, the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios.